0: As, as Keith mentioned, this is our first day of a week of prayer. The AG does that every year. Now, it doesn't mean you only pray this week. You got, you got that right? This is a, a beginning of what's going to continue on through the rest of the year. It just means we spend extra time praying for specific things. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about promises promise kept with the birth of Christ. Now we're going to continue promises found. God follows through on the promises he makes to us. How many of we've sang about that. His promises are yes and amen, right? We've all experienced God's answered prayer. Well, let me I'll just ask you. How many of you have had answered prayer? How many of you have you have answered prayer and you haven't really realized it? Are you healthy? Are you here? Did you wake up this morning? All those are God's promises. Now, a lot of the promises that God gave us are conditional. How I many know that? By that, I mean promises are kept. God keeps his promises in response to our prayer for those promises to be answered. James 4.2 says, you don't have because you don't ask God. How many of you have, and I've done this, and you, you pray about big things. But how many of you pray about little things? Now, I don't mean little, little things. How many of you pray about what you're going to wear to church today? Probably not too many folks. Did pray that it fits. <laughs> yeah. Did you pray about what you're going to have for lunch today? Did you pray about, you know, what TV show you're going to watch tonight? But I think there's a lot of things that we do pray about that we need God to intervene on. and specific daily things. Now, most of you know I'm, I'm not a name-it-and-claim-it guy. I'm not a, you know, you, you give and God will give you a Cadillac. I'm not that kind of guy. I, I wish God's Word said that, but it doesn't. So, but there are promises that are only received through prayer. John Wesley says, I do nothing except by prayer. God does nothing except by prayer. So, we're going to focus on just a few of those things today, things that are that are probably on our hearts every day. There's, there's countless things we pray for all the time. But these three we're going to look at today are the ones that probably come up most often. And they are praying for souls, what we talked about, the 10 Most Wanted. Praying pr- for provision and praying for healing. How many have prayed for any and all of those? Right. The 10 Most Wanted cards are just that, the top 10 people you're praying for. And you carry these names year to year because it's important that you don't ever give up on them you keep praying for them how many of you have heard the acronym push pray until something happens so you keep praying E.M. Bounds wrote several volumes on prayer and one of, the, one of his quotes is this talking to men for God is a great thing but talking to God for men is greater still there's another quote it's similar to this one it says before you talk to your neighbor about God talk to God about your neighbor so that their hearts and their minds are open to what you want to say to them and you know as you pray for them what it does is it softens them up the Holy Spirit gets in begins to work in their life and so when you actually have a chance to minister to them they're more open to it the Spirit has prepared them for that or in some cases when you pray for someone you pray that someone else goes to witness to them either they don't live here or they're in your family (laughs) And what's the Bible say? A prophet's without honor in his own home. Your family's sometimes the hardest folks to reach with Christ for Christ. So you pray that God sends somebody else to them, somebody that they will listen to. So you prepare them for that. In Acts chapter two, Peter spent, had just spent time in the upper room praying, praying he would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.14 says, Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Now, he had been praying for God to give him power. What's the Bible say in Acts 1.8? When the Holy Spirit cometh upon you, you'll receive power and will tell people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So he had been praying for this power. wasn't sure what it was, but he prayed for the power, and he got it. When you pray for someone, you also, and I, I do this, you pray for not only the divine appointment, that God sets it up for you, and that God gives you the boldness because how many find it hard to kind of talk to Christ sometimes about things or people about Christ? That God gives you the boldness, and God gives you the power, and God gives you the words so that you are ready if the opportunity comes up to talk to someone about Christ. You're already prayed up. The wrong time to pray up is when the conversation starts and you're not prayed up then you're kind of floundering you know i'm telling you when when i pray for sunday morning i can tell when i don't pray enough because the power isn't there when you pray god gives you the power god gives you the ability and the encouragement the power of the gift of the holy spirit gives us the ability to share with other people now the assemblies of god has put together a, a several videos the first one you saw um, These are all talking about prayer. And so I'm gonna play another one here. Um, As you watch it, I want you to look about what God can do when you pray for souls. Go ahead, Brad. Uh,
1: So I did have a patient when I um, started working where I am now, and she had many medical issues, many illnesses um, that I was trying to work through, that I was trying to help her with. Where I am, you know, there are several places where you know, you feel safe. So, in the clinic setting, when it's just you and the physician, um, that should be a safe space for most people. That door opening up to me, um, I just asked her if she wanted to pray about it right then and there, and she said she would love to. That she really just, you know, wanted to to pray with me, and so therefore, you know, I just let her, and we had a very beautiful moment of just being in God's presence you know when two or more are gathered together um, in His name He is there so we just prayed and she just cried and I cried and I looked at her and I said things are going to be okay I'm going to help you through this and since then you know every time she comes in she always has this bright smile on her face that depression that I saw that turmoil that I saw in her life that day I really haven't seen since and I think it has, you know, to do with just God using me in that time where, you know, I just had to be to get, come out of my comfort zone a little bit and say, "Would you like to pray?" Um, prayer, as we all know, is is the foundation of our Christian lives, and so every day it's important, and every night it's important to, for me and my family, especially to to come together and to pray. Same thing in my work every morning. I, I pray, you know, while I'm getting ready, while I'm, you know, focusing on the next few hours in my day. That God would really just use me in in not just, you know, my mind and what I know, but also, you know, in my spiritual life too, that that patients would see, you know, where where I, I'm coming from and that this isn't just me trying to treat them, but you know it is a calling on my life that God has given me. So here as we think about prayer and think about how it affects our lives, um, we meet people all through our day, through our work, through school. Um, but if we have a, a good prayer life and if we are open to the Lord to use us in whatever capacity He wants us to, um, Those people that we see that we may just interact a couple seconds with, the Lord may tell us to go ahead and pray for them. You know, maybe when we get back home, just thinking about that, you know, grocery store attendant that just seemed a little bit off, there may have been something going on in her life. Um, But also, potentially, God may lead us to actually pray with that person. Just a little prayer for a person could make the biggest difference to that person that you won't even can't even imagine um, because that's the Lord telling you to do it. God never ever goes back on his promises.
0: Now I mentioned earlier about praying for God to send somebody else to maybe a family or friend but you also may be someone else's response to your their prayer for them for God to send somebody else to them. In other words you could be sent to someone that another person's praying for, Lord, send somebody else to them. And we could be that person that God's directing to go there. And our, our hearts have to always be open to that moment that when, if you're prayed up, you kind of know when that's going to be. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can have any effect. You ever try to do anything for God without praying, with less prayer, less time in God's word, it always, at least for me, it always winds up being a bust because you need God's anointing and God's power to do that because human energy and human might and wisdom is not enough. Zechariah 4, 6, we all know this verse. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel, it is not by force nor by strength but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. God will give you the ability, not that you have it yourself, but God will speak through you. When you're done talking, you'll you'll be amazed at what God is saying through you. I think I've said this before. When you start talking to someone about Christ, at least when I do, I'll have, God will give me scriptures to give them. If I sit down at my desk and try to remember those scriptures, not there. God gives them to you when you need them. Now, it doesn't mean we sit around and wait for God to do something. It means we keep praying. We keep witnessing. We are always open to God using us. I said it before. You know, God can steer something that's moving easier than He can steer something sitting still. My daughter's car died last week or so, and so we we towed it back from Lancaster, and we got it off the off the dolly, and we had to push it into a uh, into a spot. And I could barely, all my might, I could barely turn that steering wheel because it was it was off. As it started moving, it was easier to steer, even though it was difficult. That's the way it is with God. Is If we're working, we're moving, and we're doing something for God, God's, it's easier for God to direct us where we need to go. We just can't sit there and wait for God to say, okay, go here. We always got to be active to do that. And we have to understand that God is the one who does the saving, right? Our job is to give them the information, be a witness to them, to love them. What's the Bible say? One plants, one waters. God's the one who gives the increase. So if someone, you lead someone to Christ, you're just a vessel that God's using to do that. God's already done the work. You just happen to be the person that's there to to harvest that person. At the end of his sermon, Peter says this, in verse 36, he says, So let it be clearly known by everyone in Israel that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words convicted them deeply and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must turn from your sin and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then skip to verse 41. It says, Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. When we pray with those who... We pray about people getting saved and leading them to Christ. You are calling down the power of heaven to touch them. You're calling down the power of God to touch their life because in ourselves, we can't do it. Our strength, our knowledge, our ability in and of itself does not work. When you pray for someone, you are calling down the power of heaven, the Spirit of God to get into that person's life. And only they, only the Holy Spirit can really get their attention and save them. It's not by our wisdom, our knowledge, our eloquence, or our ability to answer any and all questions they have. Now, the Bible says we should be ready to do that. But just the fact that we can answer them does not save them. The Bible says the Spirit of God draws them, and we're just a facilitator in that. But prayer is what facilitates you to be able to do it. And this is one of those prayers you don't have to know if it's God's will. How many of you ever bought a car or bought a house and you pray about, you know, which car, which house should I buy? And God, what's your will? And may God may direct you here, may direct you there, may say no. This is one of these things that you don't have to ask if it's God's will. How many know that? <laughs> God wants everyone to be saved. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So you know when you are praying, you are already praying the will of God. There's no question you are praying that God's will be done in that person's life. Uh, Andrew Murray another prayer writer says this Each time before you intercede be quiet be quiet first be quiet first and worship God in his glory Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear the prayers of his redeemed people Think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things But beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God not only by unbelief but by fancying that you know what he can do Expect unexpected things above all that we can ask or think. How many of, I've said this before, you try to figure out God. You try to figure out how God's going to do it. And more often than not, the way God does it is not anything the way you thought God was going to do it. And so the quote basically says, expect unexpected things. Expect something that you never thought could happen. God can do it. And no one is above God intervening in their life. Now, I came across this article in Christianity.com. It's based on something that happened 200 years ago. But how many know that God doesn't change? The thing that God did 200 years ago, He did 2,000 years ago, and He can do today. So even though this was a couple hundred years ago, God still works the same way. So I'm going to read this real quick, this clip for you. It says, George Mueller was not always a person of such great faith and good character. As a young boy growing up in Germany in the early 1800s, he often stole money from his dad. As a teenager, he sneaked out of a hotel twice without paying for the room. One time he was caught by police and put in jail. As a Bible college student, now, the dude's in Bible college. He's not a Christian, he's in Bible college. George loved playing or loved going to bars, drinking, gambling, and being the life of the party. A Bible college student. Things haven't changed, trust me. He also loved making fun of people, especially Christians. Bible college student. One day a friend invited George to go to an off-campus Bible study. He went only because he wanted to make fun of the Christians later. So, it doesn't matter how they get there. If you bring them to church, maybe they want to come to make fun of us. That's okay. God can still get a hold of them. But to his surprise, he liked the Bible study. For the first time, he saw people who really knew and loved God. He attended each evening. Before the end of the week, he knelt at his bed and asked God to forgive his sins. God can save anyone. George's friend saw a change in him immediately. He no longer went to bars or made fun of people. He spent more time reading his Bible, talking about God and going to church. Soon he found that his friends did not want to be around him anymore. And I think I've mentioned this before. When you become a Christian, there should be a noticeable change in your life. People should notice a difference. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect, but people should see something that's different. And probably the people you used to hang around with aren't going to hang around with you anymore if you stick to what you know. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We all know the story of Nicky Cruz crossing his switchblade. People who you never thought would get saved, God's power can come upon them and get saved. So whoever you're believing for, spouse, kids, parents, friends, and you think that there's no way they're going to get saved, God can do it. Everyone here is a testimony that God saved you. God can save them. The next one is praying for provision. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Does God supply your needs? Not your wants. Your needs. What do you need in your life? What, what thing in your life do you need because you have to have it to survive? Now, do we really trust that God supplies our need? I heard a, I heard a sermon once, that says and I don't know if I believe it I'm just gonna share it with you that credit cards are a sign of unbelief because you're not trusting God to give you what you need when you need it we all probably have credit cards but do you trust God for every need that you have going back to this George Mueller thing again he says this in his testimony he ran an orphanage he started orphanages He says, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat, the house mother of the orphanage, informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I will bring it in. Soon there was another knock on the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk. It was just enough for 300 thirsty children. How many of us live like that day to day? I mean, in this country, we're blessed and we don't, you know, have a lot of that. Other countries where they live like this today... They have to trust God and God meets their need. God always meets the need. How often do we take things for granted because we've always had them? We thank God for them or do we just go to the store and buy them? If we're going to get snow, what do we do? Pray for summer. But we go to the store and we buy milk, bread, toilet paper because we're never going to get out of the house for three weeks after it snows. We don't, and when you go to the store and the shelves are empty, do you become fearful or do you trust God that he's going to make whatever you have at home last? I have another video about provision as well. Go ahead for that if you would Brad.
2: We had a mother and four kids come to the farm one day and they were spending Snap vouchers, food stamp vouchers that were for fresh produce exclusively. And uh, the mother was very frugal with what she was purchasing. She was trying to get the most for her money. And the kids were pestering her, wanting peaches. And I think I had some pears that day and watermelon. And she knew that those weren't the best value. And so she passed on those. And as they were getting ready to go, uh, I had a big sack of ripe peaches that were dead ripe, and I just gave it to them. They had rode the bus and went back to the bus stop and, you know, it just made me smile that day. And about six, seven years later, a well-dressed young lady stopped in the farm. She had a toddler and she said, you probably don't remember me. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I do not. And she said, well, we came to the farm one day and you gave us a big sack of peaches and she said we were so hungry that we ate every one of those peaches on the way home and I just think that we need to pray that God will provide for us so that we can provide for others. You know a lot of times I'm praying for certain weather conditions, uh, certain harvests to be the way they need to be, um, for the workers to come help me. But mostly anymore, I know that God's providing for me. And uh, over the years, uh, I've realized that I'm not going to be a millionaire. And I think that it's much more important to learn to be content with your situation, no matter where you are. Don't be anxious. Pray for the people around you. Pray f- that you can be God's instrument wherever you are, because there are people all around you. And I'm blessed here at the farm to interact with so many people.
0: You notice in both of these instances, God did not beam stuff down from nowhere. Every instance of provision was because God used somebody else to provide what they needed. Not only do we have to trust God for our provision, We should also trust God. How does God want to use us to provide for someone else? As you pray, God will give you a sensitive spirit about people who need something that you may have. And you may have the ability to to bless them. You may have the ability to give them something that they need, that they've been praying for. And the more that we are really prayed up, I believe that God not only puts those people in our path, but He quickens your spirit when you're talking to them or interacting with them to give them what they need in answer to their prayer. As that farmer said, he he didn't know. He just gave them something. George Mueller had no idea where it was coming from, but people were involved in bringing the provision. God provides for our material needs. But God also provides for us so that we can also be a provision to somebody else. When we are provided for, it's usually by somebody else. Somebody else is ministering to us, blessing us, giving us something. We also have to be the person to be the giver. Are we open to that? And you know, the, the, the widow with the two mites, it's not, it's not the amount. It's the willingness to be used by God in a situation. It may be something to you that's very inconsequential, but maybe to the person you're giving it to, it's it's really important. And sometimes it might just be for them to see an answer to prayer. Something that they've been praying for that they didn't realize anybody knew about, but God knew and God arranged for you to give that to them. And it may not be a big thing, but for them, the answered prayer is the big thing, that they see God working. Now, God provides for us through our jobs. He allows us to earn a living and exist here. Now, notice so for George Mueller's, God didn't provide steak and potatoes. He didn't give them a gift certificate, to Bob Evans Big Breakfast. He gave them what they needed. And a lot of times we confuse our needs and our wants. Do we need a steak? Probably don't need one. I think most of us can probably go a day without eating something. But the things that we need, God provides. Now the question becomes, is God the provider or is the job the provider? Well, if we believe that God provides, the job is just a means by which God is providing for you if you think your job is the provider what happens when you lose the job if the job's taken away God will provide in some other area whether it's another job or some other area God will provide because God is a provider not the job itself if you have the ability if you have the wisdom to do whatever it is you do for a living you didn't get that on your own God gave you that ability If you're a good, crafty person and you can do this stuff, God gave you the talent. If you're good with numbers, God gave you that ability. You're good with whatever it is you're good with, however you do your job and and are good at, God gave you that ability to do that. 1 Kings 17 says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the uh, kirith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So God's providing for Elijah. He's sending them to a place where there's water. The birds are going to bring him food. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had birds bring me food. Anybody? <laughs> Usually birds are the food, right? First Kings 17 goes on and says, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Cool, God's providing. A couple of verses later, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. The brook wasn't the provider. God was the provider he used the brook for. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in the place to supply you with food. So it wasn't the brook that was giving him the water. It was God sending him to the place where there was water. God was the provider. And so the rest of the story, you know, the widow had no food. In 1 Kings 17, 12, she says this when he gets there. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. So she doesn't have anything. And the prophet comes in and says, make me something to eat. Now, I'm not sure how I would respond to that. But Elijah puts her to the test. In verse, in verse 15, he said, in verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and cook that, quote, last meal, but bake me a little loaf of bread first. After there, afterward, there will be enough for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be plenty of flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So not only is God challenging the girl, the widow, He's providing for both of them. God's a provider. It wasn't the rain, it wasn't the brook, it wasn't the raven. God was using instruments to provide. And so what happens in verse 15. She did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her son continued to eat from her supply of flour and oil for many days. For no matter how much they used, there was always enough left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised to Elijah. I mentioned before that God uses people and God uses us to do blessings. There will be times where God does miracles to provide for you. God will do something that is unexpected, a miraculous thing, just as this was. And the minute you try to figure out how God's going to do it is the minute you're not going to know what God's going to do. Unless we think that was only for the Old Testament, Matthew 6.31 says, So don't worry about having enough food, drink, or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Back at our old church when we were there, our older two girls were learning to drive, and we only had the one car at the time. And so we couldn't afford a second car, so we, we prayed about this. And there was a, a girl at that worked with my wife at the school, and she says, look, I have a, an old uh, Geo Metro, if you know what that is. And I'm, I'm just going to trade it, but I, I'll give it to you. It's not, you know, not a great car, but you can use it. Take it. So we took it and it worked great for a while until they wrecked it. (laughs) And then we needed another car. And so this is, I laugh at it, my kids hate it. But there was a guy in our church that he had a neighbor. His neighbor was painting his house. And he looked down and saw his car there. And so he painted his car with the same brush he used to paint the house. And he painted it. The tires, the hubcaps, the bumpers, the vinyl roof, everything was painted. And it was like this off-gray color. And it was, it was a, a, I think, a Chevy Citation in one of those cars, X-Cars. And it had the rich red velour interior, interior remember that? And uh, so he says, you can have that car. I said, we'll take it. <laughs> Brought it home. Said, hey, girls, we got another car for you. Oh, great, Dad, let's go see it. I took them outside to see it, and they about died. (laughs) I'm not driving that. God gave you what you needed. You needed a car to get from point A to point B. It gets you to work. It gets you to school. It gets you home. When you get older, you can buy your own car. But God provided for us. Everyone has a testimony of how God has provided miraculously for you. And a lot of times we think that things that are happening and the provision we have isn't really a miracle. But if you have a job, it's a miracle. you earning money, it's a miracle. What's the Bible say in James? Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above. If you have something that is good, God gave it to you you have the ability to wake up in the morning, you have the ability to go to work. God provided the job, God created the company that you work for. God did it all. And a lot of times we think that we've done it. Now we do our part and we study and we, we go to classes and whatever we got to learn to do it, but God provides ultimately. So if you're looking for God to provide you for something, pray. God may provide miraculously. God may use other people. But until you pray and trust God for it, I mean, I really trust God. And sometimes you have to come to the end of yourself to trust God. If you can figure out another way to get something, you don't need God. But if you're at the end of your rope and there's no way, like for us, there's no way we could afford another car. Okay, God, we can't afford it. You got to do it. God did it. However, if you think you can work it out yourself, you're not really trusting God. And sometimes God has to put us to the end of ourselves so we can actually learn and grow from Him. So we've all been beneficiaries of God's blessing, whether we really acknowledge it or not. Imagine if we use that same faith that we kind of just assume every day and trusted God for something more. What one thing are you trusting God for, to provide you for, that you can't already get yourself? Something that is beyond your reach, something that's beyond your ability to acquire, that you really need. What are you trusting God for? I still want to build over there. Can't afford it. But if God's in it, God's gonna build it. Township or not, (laughs) road coming through the property or not. But God's a provider. God will do it if we trust him for that. The last one is praying for healing and we've talked about this a lot of times. James 5.14 says, Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make them well. It's pretty plain. Pretty straightforward. I've read a lot of commentaries that, you know, that try to get around that and, and you know, not you know, explain it away. But it doesn't always work out the way we want it to sometimes, does it? One commentary says this. The prayer offered in faith or the ec- in the exercise of the confidence of God. It is not said from the particular form of the faith exercised shall be that the sick man will certainly recover but there is to be unwavering confidence in God, a belief that he will do what is best and a cheerful commitment, committing of the cause unto his hands. We express our earnest wish and leave the case with him. The prayer, is to, the prayer of faith is to accompany the use of all means, for all means will be ineffectual without, without the blessing of God. I mean, simply says, since the Bible says we're to do it, we do it. We pray. For those who are sick. And a lot of times you you hear this a lot. The the person who is in need of healing, that it's their faith. But what does that verse say? The elders of the church are doing the praying. And it says, and their prayer offered in faith. What if the person is comatose? What if the person can't understand what's going on? They don't have the ability to have faith. But they're saying that the leaders of the church are the ones that have to have the faith to do that. So the Bible says we do it. And we keep doing it. And we keep doing it until God does it. And the commentary says, the use of all means for all means would be ineffectual without the blessing of God. How many of you pray before surgery? Pray before going to the doctor. Pray before they assign you medicine. It basically says all these things God has provided for you, but you need God's blessing and wisdom upon them. I always pray for someone going to the doctor, Lord, give the doctor wisdom. (laughs) Give him wisdom. Direct his hands, direct his mind, so that everything he sees is directed by you. Because doctors are just people, you know. Make mistakes. We want God's intervention in them. So when we pray for healing, we also pray for the doctors to do what they need to do to bring that healing. We ask God's blessing on every means that is being used to heal. And we've all heard testimonies and we have testimonies ourselves of of miraculous healings. The point is we're to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Until something happens, push. Mark Lowry does a, a a skit. If you know who Mark Lowry is, he sings for the Gaither. He's a comedian, and he has a skit. His famous words, his, his most favorite words in the Bible is, "It came to pass." It came to pass. Whatever you have, it came to eventually pass. However long it is, it'll pass and his joke is either it will pass or you will pass. <laughs> so one of the two is going to happen. Either the situation is going to pass or you're going to pass. But the point is you don't know which one that is. You may be the one that God is going to do a miracle and bring healing to your body or someone you're praying for. And just like in Daniel when the when Daniel prayed for three weeks, and it took the angel three weeks to get to him. The whole three weeks, the angel was doing spiritual warfare in order to answer the prayer. Had Daniel quit at two weeks, we assume from the context that the angel doesn't make it down and doesn't come in response to prayer. But because Daniel persisted, the angel came through and took three weeks. Now we've been talking about praying for someone to be saved. It's been taking years sometimes for them to get saved. For healings, it may take instant and may be long. But it means you don't stop praying because it may be one day before God is going to intervene. I believe a lot of the times when God is using us to pray in that manner, He's not only using us to bring healing or provision but he's using it to grow our faith. How often, when you see God answering a prayer of yours in somebody else's life, do you get encouraged? Like, man, it worked. I'm going to do that again. We do know that God does respond to prayer. As the title says, promise is found through prayer. If we don't pray, for healing. God may not intervene. But we knew though that God responds to prayer. The quote I gave at the beginning, John Wesley says, God does nothing except in response to prayer. So it's no different with healing. and It's no different for provision, for someone coming to know the Lord. It just takes perseverance, and unity. How many know there's power in unity when you have a multitude of people praying? You know unfortunately it seems to be negative situations that cause churches to come together. When When there's a bad a sickness or something that's going on the church rallies around that. Imagine how we could rally around something on the positive end of what God can do as a blessing, as a miracle. There was a, there was a girl in our old church who was a young teen at the time, and she had cancer. And we had multitudes of prayer meetings and, and healing services just for her. We would bring her up, and we would just pray for her. And you would, the church would be packed out because they were rallying around her to bring healing to her. We had regular prayer meetings where there's no specific thing and the attendance was anemic. Why? Because they were rallying around something. And I think one of the things that causes God to work is unity in power, in numbers. When we pray for God to do something, we should rally around that just as if God was going to do a miracle for one person at that moment. Week of prayer starts this week, tonight. We're gonna, we're gonna pray for God to really, I don't know if jumpstart's the right word, but really energize us and give us a passion to reach this community. How many people are within a stone's throw of this church who don't go anywhere, who don't know Christ? Maybe a stone's throw from where you all live. I wanna be reignited with the excitement that God gave us What's the, what's the verse? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Right? That when you first got saved, man, you just couldn't shut up about Jesus. Everyone you talk to, just get them away from me. He always does to talk about Jesus. As the years go on, that excitement kind of wanes. We want God to restore in each one of us, man, the joy that we just can't shut up when we leave this place that God is just doing such a great work here that we just can't but not tell people about it. Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I want to be that way. Woe to me if I don't talk to someone about Christ, if I don't ask them to come to church with me, if I don't share my testimony. If we're convinced that prayer works, are we convinced? Do we really believe that prayer works? James 5.16. I'm going to close with this and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up because we're going to spend our time praying. James 5.16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great great power and wonderful results. The NIV says it's powerful and effective. Effective means it works. If something's effective, it works. So I'm going to ask them to come up. We're going to sing one song but I want us to take some time, not long. I'm, my wife is going to kill me again because I'm running late. <laughs> I just can't win. Better than early. Better than early. Except by 12 o'clock, she's going to be sending the kids up here. But we talked about prayer. It's one thing to talk about it. It's quite another to really step out and trust God to really respond to prayer. Would you stand as, for a moment? And I'm going to ask you to come up front who are you praying for in your family, your circle of friends who need Jesus? That if they die today, you know where they're going. Do we really have that burden anymore? Do we really know that there's a hell to be shunned? What are you, you trust in God for? What need in your life is there that you, that you can't do on your own? Can't afford on your own, you can't provide on your own, but you know God can do it. And then what, what healing do you need God to do in your life? Whether it's a physical healing, maybe it's an emotional healing. We just talked about all of those and how God responds to those. The Bible says there's a promise that God made, and that God responds by prayer. So we're going to take time to pray for that. I'd like you to come up front and join me to agree in prayer for the needs that are upon your heart. What has burdened you through this sermon that something stuck out in your mind that you need God to work in that area? Whether it's provision or healing or salvation, who do you know needs God to intervene? And are you willing to take time to pray for it? Join us up front if you would to pray.
3: It's faithfulness, and I will rest in your promises, my confidence is faithfulness.
0: Father, we believe that this morning. Your promises are yes and amen. They will be done. Lord, I thank You. Thank You, Lord, that we have the ability, the privilege of coming to You in prayer and laying all of our needs and burdens before You, knowing that You carry them, knowing that You hear, and knowing that You respond. Lord, our faith isn't just in the prayer itself. Our faith is in to whom we pray you are faithful you are faithful whether our prayers are 30 seconds or five minutes it's not the prayer it's our trust in who we are praying to you are faithful you have never let us down you have never forsaken us you have never left us hanging you are always there So, Father, when we pray, Lord, and we trust You for things in our life, we know that You are there. You hear them. You don't even have to turn around. You listen. You respond to prayer. You respond to prayer in order to boost our faith, to build our faith. Lord, I pray, as we've said before, we come expecting great things. Not only in this building, but we expect great things in our life. We expect you to use us to reach people. We expect people to come to know you. We expect, Lord, to have provision. Not because we're worthy, but you have promised them that you will provide what we need. You are the healer. And you want everyone to come to know Jesus. You are faithful. So Lord, we pray and our faith is in you. You will do it you will transform lives you will miraculously provide things that we need and you will bring healing to the folks in this church the people we pray for people we come in contact with i pray that the power of god fills this place let us call down the power of heaven upon people's lives so that god miracles can be done salvation can happen healings can happen lord that we will know that your provision Everything we have, Lord, we know is given to us by You in response to our trust as we ask You for those things. Father, thank You. Even when we are faithless, Lord, You are faithful. So, Lord, I pray that You would continue to build our faith, continue to build our trust, and allow our prayer life to enhance and draw closer to You, Lord, so that we might be used in a mighty way to bring about the glory of God in any and given situation. We know that all of these things, when they happen, Lord, they point to Jesus. They point to the power of God. And we want people to see You. So, Lord, I pray that You would do miracles, Lord. You would transform lives. You would do provision. You would do healings. All these things, Lord, in order to show people that Christ is real. The Word of God is real and active. Father, thank you for all the things we've experienced in response to prayer in the past. That builds our faith to continue to trust you for more. So, Lord, let us not be complacent where we are, not satisfied where we are. But, God, continue to trust you for the next great thing you want to accomplish through us or maybe even in us. Father, we're your children. We are continuing to learn about you. We're continuing to grow in our faith and our trust and our knowledge. Help us to continue to feed that faith, feed that, that growth, feed that understanding, and allow us to build our faith to the point where it is the first thing we come to, Lord, trusting you. Trusting you, not ourselves, not our provision, not what we can do in ourselves, but we are trusting you to do something that's impossible. Father, I thank you I thank you for this church who is encouraging. I thank you for the faith that's exhibited. I thank you for their faithfulness and I pray, God, your continued blessing upon each person. Allow us to experience not things here, but Lord, every day let us experience the blessing, the presence of God. Let us sense your presence when we go to work, when we leave the house. Let us realize that you're still with us and we trust you for every single thing we come in contact with. Help us to be used by you, sensitive to what you want to do. Now, Lord, as we leave this morning, I pray your blessings upon us. Let people see Jesus in all that we do. Let us bring glory to the name of Christ. And Father, we ask all these things, all these things for the sake, honor, and glory of Jesus only. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone shouted in victory. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Happy New Year. Trusting God for great things this year. I'm excited. I'm excited.